0: Cooper comes up, hits it! yeah, yeah. Oh, What a god What a oh. goal! Go- me- what a
1: goal There's a
2: goal!
1: Richie! Oh, no!
2: Hello
0: and welcome to the Official Scotland Podcast. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me this afternoon at the Scotland Team Hotel is Luke Shanley from Sky Sports. And a man who needs no introduction: Scotland and Celtic uh, midfielder, forward, winger, attack. We'll get to that a bit <laughs> later on. Uh, Ryan Christie. So a couple of massive games coming up for the Scotland national team. Uh, Ryan, you've got three caps to your name already. I'm sure you're you're looking to add to that this week. How pleasing is it to to be here and, and joined up with everyone?
2: Yeah, um, I think obviously when the, the squad was announced, and I, I saw my name and I was delighted as usual. And um, like you said, you're always kind of wanting to add caps. I think. Uh, every kind of young boy in Scotland growing up, You're always obviously wanting to, to play for your country and try and get as much caps as possible. And, you know, if you're doing that, playing big games as well, it's even better.
0: So obviously massive games coming up. How's the, the mood been in the, the team hotel and at training and stuff since you joined?
2: It's been good, very good. Obviously, it's still just the start of the week, but um, obviously kind of had our first full training session today. Um, you know, and everyone's kind of looking lively and looking ready to go, which is good.
0: I mean, you've obviously been in in great club form. You've signed a new contract as well. Congratulations. Thank you. It must
2: have been a a whirlwind couple of weeks for you. Yeah, it was, to be fair. Yeah, that's basically the same word I've been using to to describe it. It's just seemed to kind of snowball, um, you know, for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's been good for me because I've managed to take so much kind of confidence from that. And I think it's kind of showing in my game right now, which is good. Um, And then what I've said before is that's up to me now to kind of take it into international football.
0: Uh, Look, this is where it's... Can get a bit awkward because Ryan's sitting right there so you sort of have to be nice about him. Um, but how good is it to have players arriving at the squad who, who are buying in form for their club's sake?
1: I think it's fantastic and you only have to look at the, the game in Europe last week where you see some of the Scottish players playing at a high European level and doing well and setting up that winning goal that, that Ryan did you know, late on when you know, Celtic turned it around very well. That, that's great to see and I think that's what we need more of, more of our younger players playing at the top European standard and playing every week and I think Ryan is the example of being very persistent and persevering as well, that willing to go on loan to Aberdeen, doing really well, developing, playing well at Aberdeen last season, finished second two years in a row when Ryan was there and then now making sure that he's making his mark on the Celtic team and making it difficult for Brendan Rodgers not to pick him, so you know he is a mainstay in that team just now.
0: I mean Ryan, when you arrive at the Scotland squad in such good form, I mean I take it you're you are eager to take that in and really push for a starting place in these coming games.
2: Yeah, definitely, absolutely. I think um, you know uh, when you see that you're called up, all you're thinking is of you know hopefully that you can make an impact uh, at either stage of, of during the game. So um, I think not just me, but all the boys have got that mindset when they come into the camp. So um, you know, like I said as well, it's it's been such an easy camp to kind of come in with. And um, like Luke said, I think obviously me being away at Aberdeen, there's a few boys coming from Aberdeen, Shinny Gaz. So. Um, you know, basically everybody in the in the, the squad this time I've I've played with before, which is brilliant.
0: I don't know if you've been looking at my notes, but I was about to go for the Highland contingent that we've got <laughs> here in the, the Scotland squad as well. Stuart Armstrong, Gary Mackay, Stephen. I take it you guys get get on well, common interests, common background.
2: Yeah, yeah, we've been pals for a, a while. Um, it was funny actually when the squad got released. There's I got a few texts and that the you know the three Highlanders are back together. So um, yeah, it's been good kind of catching up with them at the start of the week. But yeah, it's just you know it's nice to. Um, to get recognised together and to, to be part of this squad together and it's it's nice to see how far we've come. Roommates are you kept apart? I'm rooming with Stu. Um Gaz is with Shinny, I think that's for the Aberdeen connection there. Right, but okay. yeah, it's been uh, me having to put up with Stu this week.
0: Not just yourselves, it is generally quite a young squad though. Does it feel like a, a chance for you guys to really come in, stake a claim and, and sort of take us forward in a new era for the national team?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um and to be fair, I think that's another positive as well for me. I think in terms of, uh, you know, all the, all the boys, like I said before, even kind of John McGinn, Calum Patterson. I've played with these guys through the, the 21s all the way up. So it's um, it's nice to see because, you know, when you're playing 21s football, that's the progression you want to try and make. You kind of look towards the the, the, the first team and think, great. One day, can we push that? And, and it's squads like these where you see that, you know, we are we're doing just that and um, then we can really hopefully push on and make an impact. I mean, look, as part of the day job, you're obviously well versed in all things uh, international
0: football, particularly Scotland, you follow it all from, from the, the weeks building up to, to the games themselves. How do you see these games coming up?
1: Well they're crucial in the sense that I think because the, the form has been up and down we need to send out a message by getting good results and, and topping the group and, and making sure we qualify for the, the Nations League playoffs. I think in terms of the bigger picture it's probably more about development because we forget. The teams we're in with are probably grouped in, you know, they're in pot C, the same as us. When we go into the qualifiers, it's going to be we could be playing against teams, you know, that much much better than that. And we have had a taste of that against Portugal and Belgium. So I just think it's key to to get a rhythm and get confidence. Maybe in a way, people say, oh, well, the Nations League, it's a kind of free hit, and we have a chance to try and get a system together." But you know what it's like. The media, you know, we're we'll probably all get, you know, we're guilty of it as as men in the media, and then um, you know the fans will want to see. Progression from Scotland, and it's difficult when, as you mentioned to Ryan, there's a lot of younger players coming into the squad. We're trying to work out a best system just now, there's a bit of transition. But I do see these games as quite key.
0: I mean, we've obviously had a look at both sides now. We've all seen each other. How do you rate the the teams that we're going to come up against, and I suppose therefore our chances as well?
1: Yeah, it's quite a weird group now, because everyone's managed to get a win. I don't think Albania were that great, albeit Alan McGregor had a couple of saves to make at Hampden Park, so we can't. At rest on our laurels there, but I think that we should be able to go out and beat them. Israel played really well, and it was interesting being in Israel, the, the dynamic between the media and Andreas Herzog, that they were very much against the appointment, he had only had a couple of games in charge, and they were very much on a negative with him, and they went and sent out a message, you know, they didn't fluke the win against Scotland, they wholeheartedly deserved it, and they have some good players, you know, Muniz de Boer, that, um, Celtic have been up against uh, for Salzburg this year as, as a good player Beram Kayal, who we know in Scotland, you know, and they have others. So th- I think they'll be fancying their chances now coming to Glasgow.
0: I know there are a lot of permutations. Right, the Nations League can get a bit confusing, but f- for you guys, it must be relatively simple in the sense that you just try and win both these games, take six points.
2: Yeah, that's exactly it. And um, yeah, like you said, it's it's about just kind of looking at the short term, and obviously the the game against Albania first, and. Um, we are confident, and we're um, we've got a, a big belief in ourselves that we can go over there and, and obviously get the win, um, and that hopefully that will then give us a bit of momentum going into the Israel game. Um, you know, like Luke said, it was it was a tough one for us, I think, out there. Um, but again, that gives us that kind of grit in our grit in our teeth to, to go and get a bit of revenge as well.
0: What type of game are you expecting? Because it's been a bit of a strange group in the sense that the home team has won all the games so far. That you know, home form has has been the. The dominant factor. What are you expecting when you go to Albania?
2: It'll be tough. Yeah, um, you know it's it's like that in all walks of football where you know it's always harder away from home. But um, you know we'll I'm sure come up with a, a game plan to um, make sure we're kind of resolute defensively, and um, that'll have to be a big part of our game. You know it doesn't matter who you're playing against in an international scene. They're always going to carry an attacking threat. So um, you know we'll we'll definitely be ready for that. Um, and in terms of going forward, I think. We've definitely got um, the quality of player to, to hopefully put um, a few goals past Albania.
0: I mean, look, understandably there is a school of thought that, that we have players good enough to, to top this group and, and do what yep. we need to do, so I'm going to strike fear into the heart of all Scotland fans, I'm putting oh, you okay. in charge for oh, the next oh two dear. minutes. And, uh, you, you can pick the team, you can tell us how you would uh, shape things up.
1: I don't know about picking the team, I would be. I th- I think we have probably we go overboard in terms of systems. I think you you know we're speaking to you b- before we started the podcast and you made a great point about Thanks. when we played yeah for a change
0: we
1: we played three against England at Hamden a three at the back and Kieran Tierney played at the left side as centre back and Andy Robertson at the left wing back and we played really well that day we might have got a win okay we might have lost it as well but nobody was complaining then you know and and it was a great point you made because now all of a sudden we seem to get so caught up in what system we play. I think just with, with some of the injuries we have, I probably would go back to a back and I, I would play Kieran Tiernett right back. I know he might not want to play that, and maybe Ryan knows better about his, his thoughts on that. But, you know, needs must. He, did, he, he maybe struggled against Slovenia there, uh, but he played OK against Slovakia and Malta there. So I, I wouldn't discount that, using that there. After that, I think, you know, we, we do have the quality, and I just think it's about, you know, getting something together that we can do. So I mean, I'll ask Ryan, where do you feel... You fit into the Scotland team to get the best out of you because I know a lot of players will play anywhere for the country and that's great. And we're talking about Tierney maybe going to right back, but where do you feel in this squad,
2: the manager of the country, could get the best out of you? Um, it's a difficult one to be fair because um, you know obviously over the, the recent weeks for, for Celtic, I've kind of found myself in in a kind of central attacking midfielder role, and I've got a lot of joy from that. Um, and you know, it'd be it'd be nice to kinda of bring that into international scene as well. I mean, I feel from midfield I can also carry a goal threat, which um, you know, is something that's quite important. Um, but on the other side of things obviously we're probably a bit um shorter bodies up front. And at the start of the season I you know, again I played a bit up front for Celtic as well and really enjoyed that as well. So um yeah, you just said there, you know, everyone's happy to, to play wherever they can in the park, but it really is it is I'll I'll be um happy anywhere across that um, you know, kinda of attacking lineup as um, so long as it's not kind of centre half or right back. <laughs> Thanks for taking the pressure
1: <laughs> off
0: me as
2: well, I just chucked it on. As as you say, that's your, <laughs> you, your your stint as manager is
0: over, it lasted two minutes. <laughs> oh, uh, Ryan, let's go back, let's go down memory lane a little bit, you're obviously born and raised in Inverness, what was your, your upbringing like there and your, your football upbringing as well?
2: It was good, well, very good. Um, obviously I was kind of born into a, a, a very football orientated family with my dad, so um, that's definitely helped me along the way, but um, you know, Inverness is got a small place and Quite a quiet place and probably at the end of the day it probably helps me, um, you know, just kind of keep the head down and um, concentrate on football because there's not much else to do (laughs) up there. So um, you find yourself in the back garden kicking a ball about most of your time. Um, But yeah, I've got, you know, um, no kind of uh, regrets about Inverness at all and um, obviously love going back to visit um, from time to time so it's good.
0: If you thought this was going to be one of those rare interviews where you're not asked about your dad's footballing connection, you're wrong, so we're just <laughs> going to crack on with it anyway. Your dad, everyone knows, what was a professional footballer. How much did it help? How much was it perhaps a pressure as well, do
2: you think, to sort of follow in those footsteps? Um, I, for me, I think it was a huge help. Um, I, a lot of people kind of talked about a pressure um, when I was growing up, but I didn't really feel that uh, much, um, You know, which was good. I think that's, again, a credit to my dad. And... Um, you know, he, he coached me from a young age up, and don't get me wrong, there were some terrible times because, you know, everybody gets a talking to after the match, but I need to go home with it, and then it <laughs> continues there. So, um, yes, it was sometimes it was a bit frustrating, but you know, when I look back on it now, I, I realise kind of how fortunate I was to to have somebody, um, you know, in my close family that's 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 had a you know a career in football and knows the pitfalls and you know knows the kind of sacrifices and what you have to do to to um, you know become a professional. So. Um, you know, I've got no doubt probably without my dad that I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Was he hard on you? Yes, Very. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> he still is. I don't know why I said he was, but um, yeah, he's the, obviously the, he'll be the, the the kind of first person I'll call after a game or anything like that, and he, he'll always tell me how it is, which is probably quite nice.
0: I mean, you, you, crammed, you have crammed a lot into such a, a short space of time. By 20, you had you know cup winners medals in the bag. You had mm. made your your, your debut obviously for Inverness against Celtic. You were playing for the Scotland under-21s. It was all such a, a busy time. How do you reflect on on
2: that period? It was brilliant. I think, obviously, when you're young as well, coming through, you don't really give yourself much time because you, you're enjoying it so much and you just want to play football. Um, it's one of the amazing things when you're young coming through. Um, I mean, I've got to give huge credit to, to, to John Hughes, who, obviously, Inverness kind of broke me into the first team. And um, Again, I was really fortunate to to come into a team that you know even as a a young player kind of suited me which sounds strange because you know I'm I'm not especially when I was younger not one for many physical battles but John Hughes got Inverness playing some incredible football when he was there and um, that's what led us to such an incredible time at Inverness obviously like you said a a Scottish Cup and um, playing European football for the first time in the club's history so um, again it's 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 another person in my career who I've got to give a a huge amount of credit to.
0: That success then leads to the move to Celtic, how how does that feel when you, perhaps when you, when you get that call or when you eventually put
2: pen to paper? Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was it was a bit overwhelming as well. Obviously, it was I was quite young and you know still living at home with my mum and dad and stuff. So it was it was that kind of side of things. And, you know, getting up and moving down to um, Glasgow for for you know obviously for a lot of people it's just a, a normal city for me. It was the you know the big smoke. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously I, I think. Um, when I first went down to Celtic, I actually had a bit of an injury from from Iberness, which, you know, it's a strange one, but it probably helped me kind of bed in a little bit. Um, so I wasn't kind of thrown in the deep end. I could kind of get used to, to Glasgow life, and um, obviously, you know, it took me a bit of time to get going at Celtic, but it's uh, it was it was something that's probably helped me in the, the long term.
0: People will look at the football side of it in, in terms of how you settle in. In that respect, how you learn to cope. But, is the, the side away from football? Is, is that just as tough? Is that just as important that you can get your your personal life right in Glasgow to, to allow you to go and, and perform at your best?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's where you need to you need to have a kind of, a strong group of people around you. Um, you know, because at, at times in football, um, you know, I've I've been lucky. I've not really experienced that much, but I can imagine it's a very lonely kind of sport to be in when you know people can sometimes move halfway across the world by themselves. So um, you know, I was lucky to obviously friends and family that um you know we're always keeping in touch when I was moving down to Glasgow and made it that, that easier that transition.
0: I mean Luke mentioned the, the loan spells that you had at Aberdeen, particularly now when you're in such good form, just how important were they in your development?
2: Yeah, they were they were they were massive to be fair, I think um even even when I was kinda um first the, the, the opportunity came to me. Um and Brian Rogers was was probably very good with me in terms of he sat me down and told me what he thinks. You know I need to work on um, to, to get into his team. And you know first things first, I would need game time as well. So um, you know I think Aberdeen was a perfect club for me in terms of you know I wasn't moving away. I was I was staying still in Scotland, still in the, in, in the league I knew, but um, playing at a club that still had a kind of a pressure to, to win every week. Um, and that was probably something I maybe struggled to adapt to with Celtic, where um, you know a club was was such high. Expectations of everyone week in week out, um, which I didn't really have at Inverness.
0: Look, what have you made of of Ryan's progress, and I suppose on those loan moves, the the example he set to other young guys who do arrive at a big club, get loaned out, and and perhaps think you know that's the end of the road for me.
1: I, I think the mental aspect, and, and it's maybe worth we'll chuck it back to Ryan about how you deal with that, because Ryan playing at Inverness would be first pick nearly every week, playing a lot, you know maybe 100 games under your belt, you go to Celtic and then it's a case of it's a bit stop-start at times and then it's it's been willing to take, not a step back going to Aberdeen, but willing to go and do something else to take that step forward, um, which we're now seeing and hopefully it continues. So, no, great. And I, I, we used to cover the, the Inverness team a lot at that time. You know, they finished third in the league as well. People forget that. Um, and it, it was a, a team that played good football because it was players that, and what impressed me about that Inverness team, it was a team basically built by Terry Butcher to play one way that John Hughes came in and when you see managers that try to change things and it doesn't work, and it did work and and Inverness were so successful that season played some really good stuff, you know, and they got to a League Cup final the year before, don't forget as well. So you know it was a successful period and I, I guess Ryan getting games under your belt holding you in good stead, you've you maybe played 50, 100 games before yeah. moving to Celtic, was that something that you knew the league, you knew what it was about, not just playing reserve football or taking that step, you had experience under your belt?
2: Yeah, yeah, um, and again that just comes down to John Hughes, I mean, you were speaking there about the way you kind of turned us around, it was, it was quite incredible, I, obviously at the time when I was part of it, you don't really re- recognise it as much, and now obviously I've grown up a bit, I look back and think that the job we did there, I mean, you know, I played with um, a few players, Gary Warren, for example, who you'll remember him under Terry Butcher as just a big, nasty centre-half that would kick and head everything. Um, and then John Hughes came in and six months later, Gary could pass the ball out from the back and he could reverse balls into midfield. It was incredible. So it wasn't like he completely you know, changed the, the dressing room. He did it with the players that were already there, um, which is a credit to him. But, yeah, I think that, that in that aspect, that it helped me in terms of the football we were playing at Inverness. Um in terms of quick, um, you know, the ball on the deck has also helped me when I come into Celtic. Obviously, it's, it's a similar style of football. I think, obviously, if I was playing or would come up through a team that was, was used to maybe kicking the ball long or being a bit more direct, that I probably would have struggled a bit more to kind of adapt to the way Celtic play.
0: Right, we like to find out a little bit behind the scenes. We like to know what goes on in international break. Um, and I'm, I'm fascinated because there's only usually two options. It's Netflix or Fortnite. That's what I've learned. And I, I, even I'm too old to play Fortnite. I think I, Luke yeah, certainly doesn't mind. know what it is. Uh, but when we do the podcast, it's always Netflix or Fortnite. So is that the way it is? Or I know you're rooming with Stuart Armstrong. Has he got something a bit more highbrow for you? I know he's quite an intelligent chap. <laughs> how do you spend your downtime?
2: Um... There's no Fortnite in our room, to be fair, because Stu's it. clueless at that, but um, we've got Netflix, we've got a few Netflix, I've been trying to get Stu into a few scary movies, but he's not having it at all, um, so I'll be trying again tonight to, to put something on.
0: What's the, what's the Ryan Christie recommendation
2: on Netflix? Uh, I'm not really much of a box set, man. Um, Movies-wise, I like it. I do like a horror. You do? Have you seen The Purge? See the
0: purges. That's one that's escaped yes, me so far. that's good, is it?
2: I'm gonna have to, you know, try my best yeah. to get Stu to watch that all one. Right,
0: okay. the I think we've already asked someone else about this as well, but it just seems worth repeating. About his hair care regime, is it is it lengthy? Is it's it, non-stop. Is it, it's is incredible.
2: It, it does your head. And if you're in a room with him, um, you know, you you'll wake up at nine o'clock, and you you may be lucky if you get in the bathroom for five past ten because wow. he's just in there all morning. Um, the, the the products he's got lined up beside the, the sink. <laughs> I've got no room for any of my toiletries, so, um, yeah, obviously he puts in a, a lot of graph behind the scenes for for the results. It's good to know it doesn't just happen by accident. Yeah, that's, exactly, That's, yeah. that's encouraging yeah. for, for the Put rest a of a bit of
0: effort, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Uh, what, what's training like on a week like this then? Because I guess you guys will play at a very high level. I don't suppose you're coming here to, to become, you know, like technically better or anything like that. So what's,
2: what's the main idea behind training on a week like this? Um, I think it's probably... Um, very much tactics based. Um, going into the the, the games, um, I think the coaches are good, whereas that you know they don't kind of drown us in shape, um, which you know can get a bit boring from time to time. They, they they'll, they'll do positive drills with just certain aspects that, that to kind of take on board. And then you know when we have our team meetings later at night, we'll we'll focus on you know what they're trying to do and what we can kind of concentrate on what we're doing um, on the football pitch, and and hopefully that kind of pays off when it comes to game day.
0: It's pretty much a year since. You made your Scotland debut. What's that moment like? Looking at your big Scotland fans, this is your chance to make us extremely jealous. What's it like (laughs) doing, you know, pulling the shirt on for the first time, walk out, national anthem, all the rest of it?
2: Yeah, uh, amazing. I can't really put it into words. Um, You know, I was lucky enough as well. I was playing at Aberdeen, obviously the game was at Bataudry, which was was nice. And, you know, I had every single member of my family there, um, you know, asking every man their dog if I could borrow tickets off them. So, um, yeah, it was amazing. And obviously, to you know, he's singing sing the national anthem, and you kind of looking for your family in the crowd. It's um, certainly a, a feeling I'll never forget. That's for sure.
0: Uh, Look, you've obviously covered lots of games in your, your on the day job uh, yep. with Sky Sports. Any standouts? Let's do. Let's ignore the, the bad standouts. Let's go for some good standouts.
1: Easy one is the England one um, because you know I was working with Jeff Rees that day. He was doing England interviews. I was doing the Scotland interviews. It was just a big game. You got the feel of something that you know there was something special about it because me me and being quite sad and loving the history, it was the fixture itself regardless of it being a qualifier was very special and we did a, a great build up piece with Andy Robertson where we look back at sort of Queen's Park's history of with the national team and, and whatnot, and it was great and you have that weird period where you know you're there wanting to be a fan at the game but you're working in a game that quite a lot of people are watching um, and I have to admit that Jeff, when uh, when England scored, he just sat there very quietly and just gave me a nudge just next to me, like there you go, you know. Right. Oxley Chamberlain scores, and you're like, alright, okay. And it was getting late in the game, so Jeff said, listen, I'm going to get go down to the interview room, get ready. And we usually go down maybe five minutes before the end. I thought I'm just going to stay just now. And just as he's getting up, Griffiths takes a free kick and scores, and I jump up as if I was a supporter, so unprofessional, but I did it, and I just got the glare, and he walked away down and. Uh, by the time I got down the stairs, they got the other free kick, and I sat with um, Graham, the PA guy at Hamden, Graham Easton, and this is well, here we go, and the uh, and Griffiths scored, and we were jumping about as if we we're you know paid our money in the in the crowd, and then Graham actually forgot he had to go and announce who the scorer was, you know, um, and then you know just the emotions of that game, then you we concede the goal and then you have to get your work head on, right, what are you going to say, who are we getting because you are dealing with raw emotion after that, we get Lee Griffiths in and he was gutted, he just scored two of the best goals or in one of the biggest games he'll play in and he's gutted and you're dealing with people's raw emotion, you have to put your own emotions in check, leave that to one side and then you're dealing with Gordon Strachan who I always got on very well with Gordon but sometimes it could be a difficult interview for both because it was a tough one uh, you know, after the game in such circumstances, so that you have to then deal with that. So all in one as a sort of fan on the day, but as a, a broadcaster, it challenged you in many ways, and it
0: was a big game. I mean, let's be under no illusion. You are a proper fan as well. You're a supporters club member. I pay my money. You yep. sure do. Uh, you don't just go because you're paid to. Yeah, you yeah, pay yeah money absolutely. Well. Uh, what's your first memory? Then what was the, the first game?
1: Yeah, first game. Uh, I think. I'm trying to remember now, I, I did go to a few under-21s and be internationals, but the first international game I remember was 1995, scotland Greece, where Ali McCoy scored. It was a key game for qualifying for Euro 96, and it was when free school tickets, so I used to go to football a lot, watching you know having a season ticket, watching my club, so I would go to a lot of games, but you could see some of the guys at school that didn't go, You know it was a big thing for them, but first Scotland game, that's the one I remember, and it turned out to be
0: quite a key game in that qualification. Only took you about 15 minutes to get a Hibs mention in there. That was not bad, that's longer <laughs> than expected. I, I said I never mentioned a team. Uh, <laughs> my first game was a, a friendly defeat to Australia at Hamden, so I think we'll just skim over that one. Yeah, Ryan, have you got any long. early memories of watching, even just on, on television or whatever, watching Scotland?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, when I was younger, um, any kind of, any time the Scotland games, the international breaks came around, um, my family obviously would, so it was almost like a, a mini party we'd host and all the kind of, friends and family would, would come round to, to watch the games Um, you know the, the disappointing thing is obviously all my memories are of disappointment obviously not being able to qualify it was just obviously as a fan looking back was gutting. and um, even when I was younger and maybe even very young not really quite understanding it but still you know feeling off of the parents and everyone that everyone was gutted in the room so I think things like that and you know I'm sure all the other boys will be the same and can remember stuff like that which you know only spurs us on to realise that you know we have got a huge opportunity and and to be that group of players that hopefully qualifies for a tournament, it would be would be so massive, and you know, really kind of put us down the history books, which is something special.
1: I always find that quite scary now because we go and interview Scotland players now, and the likes of Ryan that will have very few memories of World Cup 1998. What, what year were you born in? 95. Yeah. 95. No so, you know, you know, and that that's the The under 21s. When you go and interview them, they have no clue, no comprehension of that now. And that is that's a sad thing. You know, we want to get back to tournaments. We're talking about times from yesteryear. You know, and and that's it. And as a fan, going to a lot of the games, and I was in Hungary with my dad uh, the friendly because I wasn't working and we were there. And you know, you just want to. The fans deserve it, and it would be something else if we were at a tournament again.
0: What. What is the the job involved in when you you go away with Scotland? Are you working an international week? Um,
1: yeah, it's great. It is brilliant because you will meet up in the week before and do a lot of the media days. Such as the, there's one here today. Um, you know, you'll you'll interview. You'll have a press conference. If you have a few players to interview, then usually Sky is the rights holder. will have a, a separate sort of exclusive interview. Uh, and then when we go away, if it's an away game, then you know it'll be. In and about getting—it's trying to get something different when you're away. For example, we're going to Albania, and we want to kind of show off. We're not going to be staying in Skoda, but when we go there, we want to do something a bit different. Rudy Vatas from Skoda played with Celtic, so spoke to Rudy during the week. He said, "Yeah, meet me in Skoda. I'll show you around and things like that." It's just trying to give the viewer something they wouldn't see. What what can we, you know, show them? But of course, on the day, you know, and. Um, Know, it varies between. Depends if you're doing Sky Sports News or an actual live game. But you're in and about the tunnel. You have to get your interviews pre-match, post-match as well. And there's a lot of time constraints that people don't understand. And because UEFA run the rights, there's a way of doing things uh, on their timetable as well. So it's it's not all the glamour that you think. You do get a sort of
0: a, a behind-the-scenes look if you like. You must have a few. You must have a few stories you can tell us. Uh, well, I, I think I want to get interviews
1: from the SFA again. So I don't, no, it, it's great being and again being that Scotland fan. I know you kind of have to leave your scarf at the door. Maybe get away with it more when it's international team. But just being in and about it, you know. And I think my uh, first game as a trackside reporter, although I did games for radio and TV, you know, in, in the sort of news capacity, but as a trackside reporter, the first game I did was at Easter Road um, and being from Edinburgh, which is a nice thing in Scotland. Qatar awful game but for me that was my first cap that's the way I see I was my, you know never get near a Scotland team couldn't run the length of myself so just being in and about you know uh, and on that day we kind of fell out with the uh, chief executive of the sponsors I think it was Qatar Airways because you wanted to be on air. Presenting the trophy of which we presented it after the game. I think it was to Matt Ritchie or whoever it was for scoring the goal. And uh, we had a big stand up argument with the man from Qatar Airways. So I don't think I'll be flying with them anytime soon. So, the image of you uh,
0: arriving at Edinburgh Airport and there's a face, a picture yeah. of your face next to the boarding gate and said, oh, Shanley's Band. I yeah, like her. I think so, yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it's one of those ones where. You know what goes on tour. You know normally
0: goes on Facebook now, but you know I think uh, okay, <laughs> I think well you do have to be careful. Be careful you've yeah. avoided that ah, okay. for long enough, right? How, how do the players feel about having to deal with guys like look, straight after the game when the emotions are high? This is your chance. You can stick the dagger. Well, well, we had to speak mind. on Sunday, so
1: we, we, we did that after the game on Sunday, didn't we?
2: Yeah. Um, most time it's it's okay. I like Luke said before. Sometimes obviously emotions can get very high after games, and it's hard. Um, you know he mentioned it himself being a fan and he has to like he said leave his scarf at the door but for us obviously we've got to come off the the park and sometimes you just want to have a right good rant at whatever's the Charlie Austin yeah. in the weekend yeah, yeah <laughs> he, exactly he went for it. Um, you know you need to kind of keep your emotions in check and maybe for whatever I mean, do it do is some, a minute two do some
0: players hate it more than others so there must be guys who just cannot stand doing it
2: yeah um, I think it's, it's Result-dependent, I think everybody's happy to do the press yeah. if you win and nobody wants to do it if you lose, so um, that's normally how it works out. That's
0: fair, right. A few permutations of our Nations League group, and I'm just going to read this shamelessly. Right, go on then. Because there's no chance I'm risking Yeah, roll we'll a double show, six, so we might understand um, it. Yeah. And the good <laughs> thing is, so first off, when we beat Albania on Saturday, they'll be relegated. Uh, a draw would also not uh, be enough for them. It's quite simple in the sense that, that two wins guarantee that we top the group, as would a draw in Albania, followed by a win against Israel. Now this is where it gets a bit more confusing. Should the unthinkable happen and we lose in Albania, um, we can still win the group, but that is a bit too confusing to get into. So pretty simple. We'll win both games. We'll remove any need for anything else. As a player, do you bother care about any of that stuff? Is it just about trying to get three points on the day?
2: Yeah, basically. Um, and again, it's a bit of a cliche. But we'll take each game, you know, as it is. And the first one is Albania, and you know, everybody. I think everybody. Here has a, um, a winning mentality, obviously, and um, you know it's it's good that the likes of me and other boys playing at Celtic as well that also have that pressure of, of needing to win games. So um, you know that's hopefully another kind of aspect for of games that can can help us. But um, yeah, for us it's simple: we we need to go over there and we'll, we'll hopefully win.
0: How much do you think that does help? Um, you know, if there's like a good core of the squad, like you say, that have played in high-pressure games, maybe games on the road in in Europe and stuff like that as well. How much? Can you take from those experiences?
2: Yeah, a lot, and it's it, it is. Um, I think now when you look at the, the group of players we we have, it's there is a, a, a real big experience there throughout the whole squad, and you know that's maybe sometimes why it, it is a bit frustrating when when results don't go our way. But um, you know the likes of the game coming up, it's it's um, you know it's it's. It's very important that we do have the, the experience that we do throughout the squad that we can go over there, um, you know, and, and get a result.
0: Look, this question will be a lot easier at 10 o'clock on Tuesday night. <laughs> but what have you made of the Nations League so far?
2: Um,
1: I, you know, me, I'm quite sad. I like all these, uh, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. international games
1: and things like that. But I, I think it's when you're selling it to the wider audience. I think it, you know you've just had to read the, the the permutations out there. It can be a bit complex. I think if Scotland get promotion and we're playing maybe teams that are better known and a bit more glamour to it, then I think we'll see the benefits of it certainly. I, I think So I like it from that respect. I like the fact that I'm able to go and cover the games as well, but that's just a personal, selfish viewpoint. Uh, yeah, I think it will need to bed in. Uh, I can see why UEFA have tried to go through this. It, they centralise the rights, they then run the competition. It means that you get rid of meaningless friendlies. So I, I do like that aspect of it, um, but and I it's think another th- chance to qualify. And it's, it's another chance to qualify. Well. Uh, let oh, I just said it before, you know, whether I'm working or not, I'll be there watching Scotland if we get to a tournament. So if it means we have a chance of getting there, then great. And also we're, we could play a lot of games at home in this tournament if we get through.
0: Yeah, there, there will be, it says 2,000 fans, but we'll put 2,001, since Luke is yeah, well, going to be there, there as well yep. uh, in Skoda cheering the team on. When it's a, a smaller stadium... Like that, Ryan. How how big a part can we fans play in helping you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's well known how how well the Scottish fans travel, and it's it's always such an incredible turnout, no matter where in the world we seem to go. So um, yeah, it's 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 amazing to be able to rely on on um, you know always having a big following, um, and it is, I'm sure. Obviously, you know, don't get me wrong. There'll be there'll be hard parts of the game um, on Saturday. You know, there might be parts we need to dig in and. You know that's where supporters are, are, are key, and you know we feel that the, the um, you know their their desire to win from the stands, and you know hopefully we can kind of turn that into a win on the field.
0: Hopefully, indeed. Look, we do a bit of a feature at the end of the podcasts where we ask uh, the guests to pick your all-time Scotland eleven. Yeah, it's going to be so awkward when you don't have Ryan Christie in it. But oh, we well, just fair on enough. And, uh, yeah, yeah. See Here how we you get know. on. So uh, let's uh, let's. Let's hear it. Your ultimate Scotland team from your lifetime. From my lifetime? Well, for, what,
1: what do you think? What do you think I am?
0: Yeah, I think you're probably younger than you look. Oh, really? I, I'm 34. <laughs> Stone, right. Okay. Thank
1: you. So I don't know. Um, so I've kind of picked from that first Scotland game that I mentioned, <laughs> that okay. Greece game, I've kind of gone from that sort of era, um, the Euro 96 qualifiers onward. So in goal, easy decision for me, Jim Leighton. Playing goal myself, not very good, but, you know, um, Jim Leighton, second Your most life. cap You've got a lot of Scotland player. Yeah.
0: The Aberdeen um, connection, you might get that.
1: Second most cap Scotland player, I thought he was fantastic, two two different sides to his career, played really well in a good Aberdeen team, went to Man United, lost a bit of confidence, came back, brilliant at Hibs, good at Aberdeen and a poor Aberdeen team, you know, longevity as well. Left back, again, easy decision, Andy Robertson, watched him for the first time, Queen, uh, Queen's Park against Elgin City at Hampden Park in December 2012 and I was told this guy will be a player and you think yeah yeah whatever, he's now our leader and uh, I think it's an easy decision. Honourable mentions to Kieran Tierney and Don't uh, you tell Kieran Tierney about that? Gary Naismith as well, yeah that's me grassed up. Uh, right back and it's probably because of his form in a t- the qualification for Euro 2008 is Alan Hutton. I thought he was brilliant, dynamic, getting forward, pace on the wing. Don't know if he ever hit the standards again like that for Scotland, but you could argue that was the same for the whole team, but he goes in for me. The two centre backs, Colin Hendry, captain Scotland at the last major tournament they were at, Braveheart, um, good leader, you know, uh, international uh, role of honour as well for over 50 caps. Uh, yeah, it's sad the way it ended. Albani, the elbow, scored two that night against uh, San Marino, but he goes in for me. The other one I, I wasn't too sure because he, he linked up really well with Colin Caldwood. I've gone for David Weir and as much as he did you know, not play for Scotland for a while through his choice, he came back and that season he played about 50 games for Rangers when he was about 50 years old himself. He, uh, you know, he was always willing then to play and I think he played against Holland when he was in his 40s. Holding midfielder Christian Daly, coming up for 15 years since that win against Holland and he was brilliant in that holding midfield position. Unfortunately, got booked,
0: missed the, you can tell the second, second leg. Manager. He's, got, he's got one holding so, midfield yep. He's not gone for at 4, four no, 2 no, he's, still play, play. Uh, yeah. he's got it all figured out. Okay. So,
1: midfield, I've gone for a uh, midfield, and this is where I really did struggle, but I've gone for John Collins, uh-huh. the best technical player for Scotland in the 90s in terms of... Um, you know, his ability there. Or hims
0: bias as well,
1: yep. So, yep, no, no, John Collins certainly in there, uh, you know, Champions League semi-final with Monaco. Uh, And I've gone for Scott Brown and Stephen Fletcher. I know that when Gordon Strachan didn't always play them together in that last campaign. Darren or Stephen? Darren, um, you know, but again, I think, you know, in terms of me watching Scotland, I, I saw them more than others. And their contribution, you know, Scott Brown when he came in against America for his debut, very dynamic, different sort of, turned into a different sort of player, still very effective. So we've gone for them, and up front, James McFadden, you know, and my best ever Scotland game I was at, as a fan or uh, as a journalist was, that game in Paris, never forget it, the, the march before the game, the whole day, and that just topped it off, and, and his contribution for Scotland was great in my era. So, by far, James McFadden, and this is where I struggled. Who else do I put alongside him? I've gone for Don Hutchison, maybe because of the goal at Wembley and the goal in Bremen against uh, Germany. Um, but I could have played Ali McCoyce there, but I've gone for Don Hutchison, I think, because he, he could also play midfield and drop back and play in that so number much 10 now. So that's who I've gone for. But on the bit, I've, I've done a bench as oh well, seven goodness. 7 <laughs> Because it's only fair. No, not at all. No, no I don't make the bench, I But I've gone it. for uh, Gorham, Lambert, McCoyce, McCann. Barry Ferguson, uh, Burley, and McAllister, and Ryan Christie, and Ryan Christie. Just yeah, well yeah, just just fitted in
0: there. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Before we let you go, Ryan, just your final thoughts ahead of these games. Then they're huge, high-pressure
2: games. How, how are you feeling about it? Uh, excited, excited. I think um, you know, like you said, it, they are big games, but it's games you want to be part of. Um, you know, I said earlier when you know you're, you're you're hopefully getting caps for your country, but if you're doing it in big games and getting big results, then that's even better. Um, so for me, yeah, it's just excitement going into, to hopefully, to um, to game.
0: Well, we certainly wish you all the best. Don't forget, tickets are still on sale for the Crunch game against Israel on Tuesday. You can get these via tickets.scottishfa.co.uk. We certainly wish uh, safe travels to all the fans heading to Albania. If you haven't listened already, we have been recording a number of special podcasts with former players, such as Colin Hendry, who is in Luke's yeah. team, of course, uh, and Roy Aitken as well. We can find them on any, really, of, of your favourite podcast platforms. I know there are many uh, or via the Scottish FA website. There is a special area under the Scotland section of the website where you can find all the podcasts. Uh, I think that does bring us to a close for today's podcast. Uh, thank you in order of importance to Luke Shanley. He <laughs> won't mind me saying. We <laughs> enjoyed for hearing me. the uh, the other side of what goes into an international break. And of course thank you very much, our special guest Ryan Christie. We wish you all the best. Thank
2: Let you these very much. Thank Cheers. you. Cooper comes up, hits it! Yeah! yeah! Oh my god! What a got! What
1: oh, no. a oh, go! by mate!
2: Go, bleach!